0: We began last Sunday uh, looking at the passages of Scripture that describes the time just before Jesus goes to the cross. As we move toward the Easter season at the end of this month, we're discovering how, in fact, the resurrection does change everything. This morning we're going to be looking in John chapter 18. Uh, We'll start reading in verse 15 today. I don't know about you, but I don't like getting caught. I don't think any of us enjoys getting caught, especially when we've made a mistake or when we've made a bad decision or when we've done something wrong. Nobody wants to get in trouble. Sometimes uh, we don't like getting caught when we're doing something right. I mean, if you're a, a secret agent and you're behind enemy lines, getting caught could be deadly. Well, Peter gets caught doing both. He gets caught doing right and then he gets caught doing wrong. And we can learn a valuable lesson this morning from both. As we read this passage of John chapter 18, we find out that we need to know what to do when we get caught. Peter, his story teaches us that first of all, we need to know what to do when we get caught doing right. Uh, We are entering a a section of the Scripture here in the Gospel of John that that presents some very familiar information, and it's familiar for a good reason. The days leading up to Jesus' crucifixion are crucial for us to understand. It's the reason why all four of the Gospels spend several chapters describing these days. One of the most familiar events of this sequence is when Peter denies knowing Jesus. Now, you'll remember back in John chapter 13, Peter makes a very bold promise to the Lord there. John thirteen thirty seven. Peter asked, Lord, why can't I follow you now? I will lay down my life for you. Then Jesus answered, will you really lay down your life for me? I tell you the truth. Before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. Peter's promise to Jesus was very specific. In this account, in John chapter 13, Jesus has just told the disciples that it would be one of them, one of the twelve, one of his chosen ones, who would betray him. And and then he he told them that the work that he was about to do, uh, referring to the cross, it was something that he had to accomplish himself. The, The road that he was about to walk, Jesus tells them, they couldn't walk. Peter responds with this promise to the Lord that he would lay down his life for Jesus no matter what. A pretty specific promise. And no doubt, Peter means every word of this when he says it to the Lord. But Jesus knew what was going to happen. In the most pivotal of moments, Jesus knew that Peter was going to deny even knowing Him. So fast forward to John chapter 18. Just as Jesus had said it would happen, it was one of the twelve disciples, Judas Iscariot, who brings the soldiers of the high priest to to find Him. and, And Peter responds just like he promised that he would. He's ready for a fight. But we saw last week when we looked at that, passage how he he wasn't really all that ready. He brings this wimpy little knife and all he succeeds in doing is cutting off the ear of an innocent bystander. But at least his heart was in the right place. He he wanted to protect Jesus. He wanted to keep his promise. He wanted to do just like what he said that he would do. He wanted to lay down his life for the Lord. Jesus, as he was being arrested, uh, he tells Peter, This is not how my kingdom is going to be won. It won't be won through the sword. It's going to be won through the cross. And he reaches out and heals the ear of the poor servant that Peter had inadvertently lopped off. And as they take Jesus away, Peter is still in protection mode. And that's where we pick up the story this morning. He and and another disciple is probably John. John in his gospel, whenever he's talking about himself, he he doesn't usually call his own name. He usually refers to himself as the disciple that Jesus loved. Or in this case, he just calls himself another disciple. But it was probably Peter and John. They, They follow after Jesus. Now, we're not told what the other disciples did, but we presume they ran and hid. So so at least Peter and John are are going to try to help Jesus. And again, Peter's trying to do what he said that he would do. Their plan on how they were going to do that is a little less clear. Probably because they didn't have a plan. Here's what happens. in Verse 15, Simon Peter and another disciple were following Jesus. Because this disciple was known to the high priest, he went with Jesus into the high priest's courtyard. But Peter had to wait outside at the door. The other disciple, who was known to the high priest, came back, spoke to the girl on duty there, and brought Peter in. You are not one of his disciples, are you? The girl at the door asked Peter. He replied, I am not. It was cold. And the servants and officials stood around a fire they had made to keep warm. Peter also was standing with them warming himself. Peter was doing the right thing. He was doing what he had promised Jesus that he would do. That he would be by his side no matter what. Or or at least he would be following at a safe distance behind him. (laughs) But at least he was there. John is able to get into the courtyard because he knows the high priest. And then he tries to convince the, the servant girl who's apparently kind of acting as a, a buffer, keeping some of the riffraff outside. He asked her to go ahead and let Peter in too. But then Peter gets caught. This little servant girl asks him, uh, you're, you're one of the disciples, right? Now, this probably wasn't all that threatening, to be real honest. The girl had recognized John too. She let him in. So it's not really all that unusual or out of bounds or even really all that threatening that she asked Peter, aren't you one of his disciples too? She didn't do anything to John, so she probably wasn't going to do anything to Peter. But Peter in the moment, caught doing something right, standing by the Savior, doing what he promised he would do. Peter says, no, you're mistaken. Not me. I'm not one of those guys. Peter fails the first test of what to do when you get caught doing right. We've all been in the very same situation. We're a believer. We we know the Lord. We've accepted the Lord. We've accepted His mercy. We've accepted His forgiveness. We've accepted His grace and suddenly we get caught we know we're a believer and we know that the people that we're with know that we're a believer but we have to make a decision because in that in that moment whatever it is if there's an off-color joke being told if the, the crowd is making a decision to do something we know we shouldn't do uh, whatever the situation may be we we have to make a decision if we stand up for our faith, it might get ugly. We, we might put ourselves in, in a bad position. We might be embarrassed. We might look, be looked down upon by the others. And in certain circumstances, we might even put ourselves in danger. And unfortunately, we do what Peter did. Caught, doing the right thing, caught, being a believer, caught, being one of the Jesus crowd, we make the decision to deny. Now, now before we face those times, and all of us will, we, we all have, and, and we're going to face them again. One good exercise to, to go through is to... to Put yourself in Peter's sandals and, and ask yourself, what would I have done if I was Peter? My guess, if we're honest, most of us probably would have done the same thing. It was a confusing situation on the heels of a very confusing night. Peter had been hearing Jesus say things he just did not understand. He could not comprehend how the one he had followed as the Messiah was going to be executed as a common criminal. That didn't make any sense whatsoever. This is a very confusing situation that Peter finds himself in, so it's very hard to find fault with him in what he does. So, you know, if we ask ourselves, what would I have done if I'd been in Peter's situation? Most of us, if we're honest, we probably would answer, you know, it's likely I would have done the very same thing. But there's another question. Ask yourself, if I was Peter, what do I wish I would have done? Now the answer there is obvious also. We would all wish, we would all hope, we would all want to take a stand for Jesus. To no matter what the cost, no matter what happens, to unashamedly proclaim, yes, I am a disciple of Christ. That's what we want to do. So, how do we get from what most of us probably would have done to what all of us hope that we would do? How do do we get from What Peter did to what Peter should have done. Well, to understand that, we have to take a look at what Peter did. He he not only gets caught doing right, he gets caught doing wrong. Unfortunately, the night wasn't over for Peter. He failed the first test, but there were more to come. Verse 25 says, As Simon Peter stood warming himself, he was asked, You are not one of the disciples, are you? He denied it, saying, I'm not. One of the high priest's servants, a relative of the man whose ear Peter had cut off, challenged him, Didn't I see you with him in the olive grove? Again, Peter denied it. And at that moment, a rooster began to crow. This night, this this night of confusion, this night of misunderstanding, this night of bad decisions goes from bad to worse for Peter. First, he denies being a disciple to a a servant girl who's already shown that she's not going to do anything about it if he is. And then he is asked again, you're not one of the disciples, are you? uh, This one's. Probably a little more difficult than when he was confronted by the servant girl. It's obviously a loaded question. Whoever is asking this is not a friend of the disciples. Uh, they're looking for the ones who are part of this clan, this group. And so it's a, a little more understandable now when Peter backs down. He says, no, I'm not one of them. But then he finds himself confronted with the last person that he wanted to see that night. A relative of the guy that he had just lopped off his ear. It's like running into someone's car on the street and then going into McDonald's and sitting down at a table right next to their brother-in-law. That's going to be an awkward cheeseburger. No doubt this was problematic for Peter from all kinds of angles. Uh, This guy was not only asking if he was a disciple, he was asking, are you that disciple? Are you the one who cut off my cousin's ear? So again, Peter denies it. For the third time, he says, no, I'm not one of those guys. One of the other Gospels adds that he adds an expletive. A word that he'd probably heard a lot of times out on the fishing boats. And now to make sure this guy understands, he emphasizes, not me, no sirree. And then he hears it. Off in the distance. A rooster crows, just like Jesus said. We've all been there. We know we've done the wrong thing. And we know that people around us know that we've done the wrong Thing. And now we are caught red handed. Interestingly, all four Gospels record this incident about Peter. There are other. Very interesting, very important instances in the life of Christ, in the life of disciples, that, that not all the, the Gospels will, will record. Some of them, just one of them will record, some two, maybe three, but not all four. There, there, there are some instances that all four record, but, but actually it's usually just the big ones, you know, the, the significant Events, the, the, the theologically important events. But all four Gospels record this story about Peter. You ever wondered why? Why in all four of the Gospels do we see Peter at his worst moment? Because later... We see Peter at his best. We're going to see him on trial in Acts chapter 4 where he, he stands before his accusers and tells them, I must obey God rather than men. And when they tell him to stop talking about Jesus, he tells them, I cannot, I can't stop telling about what I've seen my Messiah do. So how did Peter get from John chapter 18 to Acts chapter 4? Or or maybe more importantly, how do we get there? Well, we get there the same way Peter did. He learned what to do when he got caught doing right or when he got caught doing wrong. He, He learned what to do when he got caught doing wrong because in just a few verses we're going to see him... Before the resurrected Savior. Receiving Jesus' forgiveness and mercy and acceptance. Peter knew what to do when he did wrong. And he would do wrong a lot more. He wasn't going to be perfect. He would make a lot of mistakes. Even in the days after the resurrection. But now he knew what to do. Go to Jesus. Confess it. Receive his forgiveness and grace. Grace. But he also learned what to do when he was caught doing right. After he met the resurrected Jesus, it changed everything for Peter. Too often when we face those same kind of situations, when we face those, those situations where we're doing the right thing, but we do the wrong choice. The problem is that we're focused on what we might lose rather than what we already have. In John chapter 18, Peter was focused on what he might lose. If he admitted that he was one of the disciples, he might be on trial with Jesus. If he admitted that he was one of the disciples, he might be crucified. If he admitted that he was one of the disciples, This relative of the guy that he cut off his ear might be kind of mad. He was focused on all those things that he might lose. Whereas in Acts chapter 4, Peter's focused on what he has in the resurrected Christ. And as he stands before that court, that could very simply take his life right there on the spot. As he stands before that court that could make his life miserable if they chose to do so. Peter says, it doesn't matter what you take from me. It doesn't matter what I lose. Because I have everything in the resurrected Savior. If we can do that, if instead of focusing on what we might lose, the little measly stuff that we're so... Trying to hang on to in this life. If we, instead of focusing on that, would focus on what we already have in Jesus, we would discover exactly what Peter discovered. The resurrection changes everything. When we're wrong, we'll find forgiveness in the resurrected Christ. When we're right, We'll stand firm and proclaim the name of the resurrected Christ. The resurrection changes everything. Heavenly Father, help us. This is a hard one to to get a handle on. Because we have all stood exactly where where Peter was standing that day. We've all been in those situations where we've been caught doing wrong. And we've been in those situations where we've been caught doing right. And unfortunately, just as Peter did, we've denied you. Maybe not verbally, maybe not explicitly, but but maybe just through the absence of our actions. Maybe just through not saying anything. We are just as guilty as Peter of denying you. But Heavenly Father, that's not what we want. We we know that we are like Peter in that situation where he denied you, but that's not what we want. That's not where we want to be. So Heavenly Father, help us instead of focusing on what we might lose in this temporary world, the stuff that we're going to lose anyway. Instead of focusing on that, Heavenly Father, help us focus on you. Help us to recognize that we serve a risen Savior. Help us to see that his resurrection changes everything. For it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. In just a moment, we're going to have a time of invitation. It's an opportunity for you to respond to what God's doing in your life this morning. Maybe for the very first time, you've recognized, you know, if Jesus really is alive, that makes a difference. This isn't just a story. This isn't just some tall tale. This stuff is real. And I need something real in my life. And suddenly you've recognized your need. For Jesus, and we want to tell you the the extraordinary, wonderful, good news that Jesus came for you too. He died on the cross for you too. He, he rose from the grave for you. We want to share that with you today. How the resurrection can change everything in your life today. Now, ordinarily, we'd invite you to come up here to the front and. Uh, sit down with you and show you in the Scripture the wonderful promises that, that Jesus has for us. That, that that if we confess our sin to Him, He forgives us. He, he cleanses us. He gives us everlasting life. And He proved that, that He alone could do it because He rose from the dead. We can know we can have everlasting life too. He can be your Lord and Savior today. We'd we, we share that all with you. We can't do that personally right now because of the pandemic situation, but, but we still want to do that. Uh, so right before you in the pews, there's a, there's a connection card, a little white card that's there. in the. You'll see it there in the pew racks before you. Just take one of those, uh, write down your name, some contact information, and just say, hey, I, I want to know more about Jesus. There's a checkbox you can check or you can just write that on the card. And then as you leave this morning, just drop it in one of the baskets and, and we'll be in contact with you very soon to, to let you know how you can know this resurrected Christ who changes everything and how he can change everything for you too. Maybe there's some other way that, that God is leading you this morning. Maybe you're looking for a, a church family. You know the Lord, but, but you know that, that having other believers around you can be an encouragement that you really crave in your life. And, and, and we want to be that for you and can be that for you and will be that for you here at National Heights. And we can share with you how you can do that. Again, just give us some contact information. There's a box you can check. I, I want to join National Heights Baptist Church or just right on there. I want to know more about your church. And, Drop that in the basket, we'll do that. If you're watching us online, there's a digital form of that very same connection card. It's at nationalheights.org backslash hello. And that link is found right there on our Facebook page. If you're watching us on Facebook, if you're watching on our website, it's just below where the video is. Follow that link and we'll be glad to send that information to you as well. Just indicate some contact information and let us know what you're wondering about. If you're wondering about, hey, how can I know Jesus? Just... just there's a place where you can write that or a checkbox you can check. Or I want to know more about how to be a part of your church. place where you can check that or just type that in. Send that our way and we'll be in touch with you as well. Maybe this morning you, you just have a prayer need. Maybe there's something in your life that you really want to bring before the Heavenly Father. And you would really appreciate some other believers praying with you on the reverse side of the the physical form or at the very bottom of the digital form, there's a place where you can record a, a prayer request and we would be honored to be praying with you in the week to come. In whatever way God is leading in your life, you listen, responding to His call this morning as we sing together.